In your Bibles to uh, Ephesians 6 as we finish up our series uh, we've called In Christ. Aaron, I think this might be a little bit hot. So uh, hopefully uh, through Ephesians, his word has just given you insight on what it means to be in Christ. Uh, we have been seeing how God wants to use just normal things to teach us about himself and to reflect his glory in us and to us. Uh, the last few weeks, things like uh, a marriage, the relationship between kids and parents, parents and kids, and even employees, employers, and employers and employees. The Lord kicked off this section of instructions with a command in uh, Ephesians 5.21 for us to submit to one another. Uh, it makes even these normal relationships spiritual. And, and each one brings on the attitude of Jesus. It's agape love that we've seen many times before. Sacrifice, ultimately, an attitude of submitting our hearts to the will of the Father. In each one, we ask the question, if your spiritual life was based on how well you're doing this certain relationship, then how are you doing? Now, we know that our spiritual relationship is not based on these, but these relationships should be based on our spiritual relationship. And each one is a platform for us to shine the light of Christ from. Uh, most of us probably need to be reminded that often because we get into our ruts, we get into our routines, we easily forget the greater purpose that we have in life. Everything that we've seen here in Ephesians is difficult and I would say even impossible to keep up on our own. And I, and I believe that Paul knew that firsthand. Remember, he was writing from prison. It's hard enough to keep our eyes on Jesus in our everyday lives. I can't imagine the difficulty in prison. So he will end this letter with the most famous section of Ephesians. Uh, just like those soldiers on D-Day that we talked about last week, Paul knew life is a battle. And resting steadfastly in Christ is a battle. It is a spiritual battle. The first blank on your outline if you're taking notes. We must fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. And I think that's what uh, one of the main points that Paul, that God's word is trying to make here. If you're able, please stand out of respect for the word of God as we finish out Ephesians 6, 10 through 24. Hear the word of the Lord. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints and for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that, it may, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Verse 21, But that you may also know my affairs and how I am doing, 
Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren and love with, with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May grace be with you all, those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Thank you. You can have a seat. Uh, So you may notice uh, there are seven pieces of armor listed here that together they actually present the gospel. But before we look at those, uh, we need to see that first this is going to take strength. It's going to take strength. The strongest wins, but uh, we're not talking about physical strength. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, Bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things having promise of the life that is now that now is and that which is to come. We're talking about spiritual strength. It was it is going to take this battle will take strength, but it is spiritual strength. And this kind of strength does not come from us. Verse 10, finally my brethren, be strong. What's the next phrase? In the Lord. Yeah. In the Lord. In Christ and in the power of whose might? His might. See, the truth is we often forget that the battle that we are in, it has already been won by Jesus. Verse 10 confirms we cannot win in our own strength. In fact, our strength becomes a liability if we believe that we can because then we start to to believe that our strength is, is enough and we don't need God. And that's when Satan's traps are most intriguing because our strength is weak. I like how J.D. Greer said this. If dependence is the objective, then weakness becomes an advantage. Think about that. If dependence is the objective, then weakness becomes an advantage. These instructions to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, they mean even more coming from Paul. Remember what he described as a a thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 12. Something painful, something that was a burden. When you get a thorn in your flesh, you do everything you can to to get it out as soon as you can. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 says this, A thorn in in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. We don't know what the thorn in Paul's flesh was, but whatever it was, God didn't just take it away because there was purpose with it. The purpose was dependence. And if dependence is the objective, then weakness becomes an advantage. Most of us probably understand the whole thorn in the flesh thing. Uh, yours might have a first and last name. You may even be thinking about them as I, as I say that. Uh, maybe it, yours just has a, a scientific name. Uh, maybe nobody even knows about it. It's the battle that you're in. The only way to win is by being strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Uh, Notice what else we're told about this battle. 
verse uh, 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to, to stand against the wiles, the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So uh, you, your thorn may have a first and last name, but ultimately that's not who the fight is with. This is spiritual. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. See, a long time ago, Satan and his demons, they picked a fight with God, and God fought back with a vengeance. But now evil is on the offensive to try to do as much harm as they possibly can with the limited time that they have left. And so this implies that Satan will attempt to make us believe that our battle is with each other, especially in the church. All the differences that we come with, all the preferences, it's as if he says something like this, okay, let's, let's see if we can get him, get him to focus on all the differences and all the preferences. Let's see if we can get him to believe that the battle is with each other. Let's see if we can get them to assume the worst of each other. So they'll buck up and, and fight. And then that'll make the church look really unappealing if we can get them to, to miss the fact that the battle is not with each other, but with us. See, if we try to fight in our own strength, we'll miss this. And we'll end up fighting with each other. And sometimes we need to be reminded who our war is against and who it is not against. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, put up the whole, take up the whole, not just part, but the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil and having done all to stand. So seven pieces of armor here. Uh, the first one is the belt of truth. Most of these are, are quite familiar, but they do present the gospel. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. So this is nothing new. I mean, a, a belt goes around the body. And so this command is to surround ourselves with truth. Now notice we're not instructed to surround ourselves with our feelings we're not instructed to surround ourselves with a bunch of opinions. We're instructed to surround ourselves with truth. We, we fight the lies of Satan with truth. So what is truth? Well, in his high priestly prayer, Jesus said this in John 17, 17. Your word is truth. Psalm 119, 160. The entirety of your word is is truth. So from start to finish, it's all true. His word is true. So to surround ourselves with truth is to surround ourselves with the word. We fight the lies of Satan with the truth of the word. So we must surround ourselves with his word so to know what it says. Because Satan has been questioning God's word from the beginning, his first line recorded in Scripture, Genesis 3.1, Did God really say, don't eat of every tree of the garden? And just like 
those questions that he, gets to get, he starts to ask us. We can just imagine how the, the thought process for Eve. Did God really say that, Eve? He probably thought, well, it doesn't, doesn't sound like he should say that. I don't, I don't think he would, would say that. I, I don't know. Maybe he said that. May, no, maybe he didn't. We, we, we begin to question God. I mean, we know. We've read it. We know he did not say that. And so not only does God get us to question God's, does Satan get us to question God's word, but he also likes to put words in God's mouth. Have you ever had anybody put words in your mouth? Say that you said something when you really didn't? I mean, that's, that's frustrating on a, on a human level. Just imagine when, when, he, when Satan does that with, with God. That's why we need to surround ourselves with the truth of the word so that we know what God says and we can recognize Satan's lies when they come. Hosea 4.6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's knowledge of the truth of the word of God. Some of us are losing our battle because we haven't surrounded ourselves with the truth of the word. Second is the breastplate of righteousness. Um, verse 14 again, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So uh, in, in Bible times, a breastplate would have been made of metal. It would have covered the body uh, from the waist up, uh, both from the waist to the neck, both front and back. All the vital organs. And so when we're told to cover our vital organs in righteousness, that means all the vital areas of our lives should be under the righteousness of Christ. They should be under God's control. Now, sometimes we develop holes in our breastplate. Uh, th there becomes an area of our heart uh, that we've let go into unrighteousness. We may look completely holy and pure on the outside when we come here. But what about, what about Friday night? What about Saturday night? What about, what about the times when nobody's looking? What about the, the conversations and habits that you have behind closed doors? Could you describe them as righteous? What about some of the, the things we ingest and feed on? The movies that we watch, the, the feeds that we scroll through and, and intake, the lies that we believe just because we saw them on TV? Are, are we feeding on spiritual junk food and not righteousness? The next blank on your outline, when we develop holes in our armor, we become easy targets. When we develop holes in our armor, we become easy targets. Satan, the accuser, he loves to accuse you and me. And many times, we just make it pretty easy for him to accuse us. If we're living holy and righteous lives the best we can, then Satan's not going to have as much ammo. He just won't. But some of us are making it really easy. See, Jesus' blood, it covers all of our sins, both past, present, and future. And we, we have to live in Christ in order to be forgiven and to be clean and righteous and pure. Are all the vital areas of our lives under the righteousness of Christ? Are they under God's control? Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth and putting on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel 
of peace. Number three is shoes of the gospel. Shoes of the gospel. So I will uh, never forget, because we still talk about it from time to time. Um, it's probably been 10 years ago. I took uh, my little princess Corinne uh, up to the city for something. And um, we got to wherever we were going, and I realized she did not have any shoes on. Now, she wasn't tiny, like I was just going to carry her everywhere. Uh, she was walking, and so uh, we walked out of the house without shoes. And so uh, she ended up that day with a really sweet pair of pink cowgirl boots. And she still talks about those boots uh, from time to time again. Uh, but you know what? I, I was thinking... Most of us as adults, we don't really ever walk out of, of the house without shoes on. We, we, just, we just don't. And so could that be God's point with the, the gospel shoes here? Just like we, I mean, we might walk out of the, out of the house without a, a cell phone or sunglasses or, or a belt or something. We, we forget things, but... We don't generally go anywhere without shoes on. So we wouldn't be prepared if we didn't have our shoes on. Um, our, our, we're in the habit of putting them on before we walk out the door. And so why would we even attempt to face the day without being prepared, having a good handle on the gospel? Some of us have, have not made it a, a habit to be ready we're just not prepared. It's like we walked out of the house without our shoes on. When was the last time that you had a, a spiritual conversation outside of the believers that you know? When was the last time that you attempted to present the gospel to someone? Are you walking out of the house without your shoes on? You may just need to commit to, to becoming prepared. There are all sorts of resources out there to learn the gospel. Maybe it's as simple as, as telling your story, who you were before you met Christ, how you met him, and how he's changed you since. But notice something else there in verse 15. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Not only should we be prepared to present the gospel, but we should be prepared to make peace. Now, we have talked about this before. There are peacemakers and there are peace keepers. Uh, and, and maybe you can relate, but most of the time in my life, it's easier to keep the peace than to make it. Not always, but, but sometimes. So for example, uh, if, I, if I look the other way and, and never confront sin, then I can live in comfort and I can keep the peace with everyone. That's easy because it's kind of, it's kind of natural. But on the other hand, if God calls me to make peace by not saying what I, what I want to say, not retaliating like I want to, that's not easy. Making peace is almost always difficult because making peace, many times, it forces me to, to swallow my pride, to humble myself and be the bigger person, to take the high road and forgive and yield to someone else. And that is not easy because that is not natural but we see throughout Scripture, the gospel in us, being in Christ, it leads to peacemaking. And when God calls us to it, peacekeeping. So which one is hardest for you of all those things? Uh, not saying or doing what you want to say or do? Swallowing your pride, humbling yourself, 
being the bigger person, taking the high road, forgiving. It's been said that we're never more like Jesus than when we're forgiving someone. Which one's most difficult for you? See, the gospel leads us to peace, both with God and with others. Have you left the house without your shoes on? The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes of the gospel, number four, is the shield of faith. Above all, verse 16 says, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Notice that phrase, above all. It lets us know the importance of faith. I mean, probably because it all starts with faith. Faith changes the whole trajectory of the battle. Without faith, we're defeated, but with it, we have victory. The shield was something that the the soldier could could hide behind back when this was written. Be guarded from the, the flying weapons of the enemy. And in the Roman world, the shield was designed to interlock with, with somebody else's shield. And so this uh, tells us that we're, we're not in this together. This battle is not alone, but we're in this battle together. The next blank on your outline, this faith that we stand behind, it's not just saving faith, but it's living faith. Not just saving, but living. See, our our faith doesn't just affect eternity, it affects our daily lives. We never know when Satan will attack, and so we continue to walk with resolve, by faith, not by sight, not growing weary and living the life, because one day we believe through faith, It'll all be worth it once we get that first glimpse of the face of Jesus. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, gospel shoes, the shield of faith. Verse 17 and number 5, the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. This, of course, refers to our minds. Our vital organs are already covered in righteousness. But we still need to put on the helmet of salvation. Don't we know that we desperately need to cover our minds with the righteousness of God? And don't we know that we do that with the truth of of His Word? There are so many things for us to fill our minds with that are contrary to the Word. Worldly wisdom, as James calls it. It might seem right, and and it it might seem to be a fix for our deepest and darkest thoughts. But church, only the Word of God is able to discern our hearts and thoughts. Only the Word is living and active. Only the Word of God purifies our minds. We should have a desire for His Word once we have partaken of the salvation that Jesus offers. We should have a desire. The Spirit in us should make us desire the Word. Do you have that desire? Take the helmet of salvation. Number six, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So here's the the offense. It's the sword, not wielded by, by human hands, but the hand of God. And no matter how often it's used, it never gets dull. And the Word is what Jesus used against Satan when he tempted him in in Luke 4. The Word is what pierces our hearts and knows our thoughts and intents. Notice how the word here in Ephesians 6, 10 through 17, it presents this armor 
like it presents the gospel and Jesus. Look at your outline if you have it there. The belt of truth. In John 14, 6, God's word says this. Jesus said, I am the truth. The breastplate of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Shoes of the gospel of peace. Ephesians 2.14 For he himself is our peace. The shield of faith. Because Jesus was faithful, we can live a life of faith. Galatians 2.20 The life which I, I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The helmet of salvation in Luke 2.20. The old man Simeon described Jesus as salvation in his prayer of praise after God came through on his promise to let him see the Messiah before he died. The sword of the Spirit, the word of God, John 1.1. Jesus is the word of God. See, Jesus is the armor. You can write that down. Jesus is the armor. And that's why we need to be in Christ. Our instructions are to put on the whole armor of God in order to stand against the attacks of the devil. Is there a part of this armor that you struggle with the most? Do you struggle with surrounding yourself with truth? Is there a vital area of your life that isn't under the control of the righteousness of God? Are you ready with the gospel? Are you ready with peace? Have you been struggling with your faith? Could it be because you haven't put on the whole armor of God? You'll notice there's, there's one thing left, and sometimes it's not included with, with the armor of God, but if anything, it's what gives us strength to put on this armor. And it is number seven, it is prayer. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. So it, it, it's a little bit redundant. Notice, uh, pray always with all prayer. Well, it tells us that there's more than one kind of prayer. Uh, we're, we're probably familiar and, and okay with uh, the, the part of requests. Uh, God, will you do this for me? But there are also prayers of adoration. Do you spend time adoring God, worshiping Him for who He is? There are prayers of confession. Just God already knows, just telling him our sin, confessing it, and, and turning from it. Prayers of thanksgiving. I can remember times in my life when prayers of thanksgiving just completely turned around my whole outlook, my whole mood, just being thankful for what God had given me. Have you ever experienced it? Supplication, that's making requests on behalf of others. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me that I may have utterance given to me. And I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Church, being in Christ, it means a whole lot of things. It takes us from who we were to who we are. It affects normal relationships. It teaches us about God. It equips us for battle. And ultimately, it gives us victory. 
So as our musicians come and we go into a time of invitation, are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? That's the most important question that I can ask, that you can answer. Do you know him? Can you look back on a time in your life where you surrendered your life to the free gift that he gave? And if you are, are you living like it? What needs to happen in order for you to? What are you struggling with? What does being in Christ mean to you? How does it make a difference in your life? Let's just uh, bow our heads and close our eyes and, and just uh, go, to, go to God as a time of, of, of reflection. What has his word said to you? What's he calling you to do? How has his word encouraged you today? Maybe uh, you realize that your battle is not with that, that person, that thorn in your flesh, but it's with, it's with principalities and demons, the rulers of the darkness of this, this age. That should make you want to put on the armor of God even more. To surround your life with truth. And allow God to, to fight your battles. Lord, we invite you to come and we thank you for, for the truth, Lord. Your word is truth. We stand on it. And Lord, we, we realize that Jesus is the armor. Help us to put on Christ, to live in Christ fully, Lord. Lord, whatever area that we, we just have the most struggles with, Lord, help us. Because we cannot do this in our own strength. We have to put on your power, the power of your might, not our own. So Lord, whatever that looks like, whatever that means for each one of us, meet us where we are during this time of invitation as we sing to you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.